I think we're all pretty aware that there's a, a bridge between Northgate and YWAM Kona. And we're going backwards and forwards across that bridge. We're sending our people, they're coming back, and it's beautiful. Well, at the same time, I think there is a bridge now building between Northgate and South Africa. And, and so every time um, we've gone down to minister in Kona, um, Amy introduced us to some friends of hers, Gabriel and Michelle. And, and we've gotten together with them now every time we've gone down. And this last time I was here just last month, I went out for dinner with them and just sat and, and as they've shared their stories and as they told me like what's happening in their life next, I'm sitting at the table like just, I don't know, sometimes you get around people and you just start vibrating with like possibility and excitement about what God is doing on the earth. And I knew that we were coming back to do, a, we were in a series on outrageous faith and I left dinner probably one and a half hours and sometimes you just, you walk away and you've got to manage your heart not to go into comparison, but allow like the conviction of the, somebody's story to examine your heart and go, Jesus, am I following you fully? And one dinner with this couple did that to me. Like for the next couple of weeks, like wrestled with like, Jesus, am I following you fully? And I came back and I said to Dennis, we need an impartation. If we're going to talk about outrageous faith, I've got a couple that we need an impartation from. So I want you to welcome my friends. Gabe's going to come speak, and then they're going to tell you a little bit what's happening with their lives at the end. Thank you so much, Carla. Thank you guys for trusting us and inviting us. This is amazing. Um, Before I get going, I want to say something. That doesn't bother me that much. That's kind of a sign to me. Let me tell you why. Um, Me and um, our one leader, Andy Bird, um, with one of my friends, we went to Bethel a few few months ago. We were speaking on the the finishing of the Great Commission at their BSSM. And at our um, kind of end of this talk, at the time of the kind of just the response time and prayer, Andy stood up and he's praying and, I'm, and he starts praying. He says, I see flashes of nations before you. And he goes like, I see mountains flashing. I see deserts. And the third time he says flashing, it goes poof. And it starts flashing the lights for about 10 seconds. And it's pitch black dark in the auditorium. And all the lights go off. And it breaks out in like two hours of spontaneous worship in the dark and nobody is leading it. It's just this response to God moving, right? So afterwards, we speak to Eric and them and they go like, this has never ever happened before. The transformer that's on the other side of the hill, the one, just the one for the sanctuary blew out in the moment Andy prayed that. And so this morning, as we started, the moment we started talking about South Africa and what, and the flash happened, I felt this joy erupt in my heart. And going like, hey, I felt like, I know this may be frustration for some of you, but for me it was a sign of God going like, hey, I want to grab attention here. Like, I'm busy speaking right now. So guys, I just want to thank you so much for this opportunity. Just to come and share a little bit of what God is doing, what He has done, what He's going to keep on doing. And um, for me, um, I told this to the elders and before in the prayer meeting, this kind of us coming here kind of feels like uh, a gentle like, kiss from heaven. Um, and let me explain why. My mo- we spoke to my parents just before we flew out here, and um, my mom said, do you know that the first place you ever wanted to go in your life when you were a young kid was Alaska? <clears throat> And, and I, I didn't know it was the first place, but I always knew it was a dream for me to come to Alaska, right? And we've been all over the world, right? And now God is sending us back to South Africa. And it kind of just felt we're flying out next Friday to, go, to move back to South Africa. And it kind of felt like the Lord was just going like, hey, before like, you go jump into my dream, like, let me just fulfill one of yours. And um, it's just a, such an honor for us to be here. This worship this morning was amazing. Like, I totally got caught up in a moment there. I was like, when we started singing about Jesus being the center, I was like, okay, let's just stay there forever. Like, all of eternity and heaven and never move away from that. So I'm going to pray and then jump in a little bit. But this morning I want to ask you, you all know this, but the testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy, right? And, 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 and what that means is that whenever we hear a story 
whenever we hear a testimony about Jesus and what he has done, it prophesies into our context, into our lives, that God will do the same thing again. Right? And, and as I share this morning, as I share stories, as I share what God has done, the goal of this morning is not to go like, here's the standard and all, everybody should live, live up to it. The goal of this morning is saying, here's what's possible, grab hold of it and be obedient to what God is saying. Right? It is to grab hold of the faith to go be outrageous for Jesus in the context that he's called you in. Now I know there's some of you that God has called to live in the valley, but I bet you there's some of you that God has called to go share the gospel with people that's never even heard the name of Jesus. And the desire is that all of us will hear the voice of Jesus this morning and be strengthened to outrageously live in obedience to him. John 14 says, if you love him, you'll obey him. That's something you can meditate a lifetime on. Okay, so let's pray before I get carried away. Jesus, we love you. You're amazing. You are beautiful. You are worthy of all our adoration. God, we just this morning want to turn our hearts to you. We want to turn our affection to you. Saying we are so thankful for you and for the price you've paid. Lord, I pray this morning that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be pleasing in your sight. God, I pray that your word will cut and you will implant truth that will bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so before I start this morning, I'm, primarily what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to tell my story, Okay. But before I do that, I just want to read a little piece of scripture and unpack it a little bit. Because here's the thing, in our Christian walk, a lot of times, um, or this is just how I work. I don't know if you work the same way. But if I, I have a hard time to see kind of um, why to do something if I don't understand the why. If I don't understand the why, I kind of automatically, this might be me, needing some sanctification, it possibly is, but it kind of like just sometimes moves me into rebellion because I go, I don't get the why, right? It just makes me go like, I don't understand. This doesn't make sense. Why? And, and I, I want to read a little bit of a why for, for outrageous faith when it comes to what God has called each one of us to, right? And so I want to read us in the Revelation. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read and unpack the story. I want you more to just to take in the story. It's Revelation 5. And this is an amazing, an amazing picture. Here we see the Apostle John. And what happens to him is he gets um, exiled to this island. And this is, I, I want you to understand a little bit of the context here. John at this stage is the only living apostle left. Okay? By this time... He has been thrown in a pot of boiling oil and did not die. And they're like, we don't know what to do with this guy. Right? So let's just exile him to this island. Patmos was known to have minds to go work and manual labor till this old man dies. Right? And for this to make, to hit home, you need to kind of feel the emotion. Right? So John is sitting on this island somewhere. And he is the last one left. All of his friends have been murdered in the most horrific ways for believing and testifying in the name of Jesus. Then the church is just stepped in. They say it depends on kind of how you do the dating. Five or ten years before that into the most horrendous persecution the church has ever seen. Now I'm going to say a few graphic things but it's reality. That the Caesar in that time, Nero, what, what he would do is to light up his parties in his garden, he would crucify Christians and set them on fire. That's the context that this is written in. So you imagine the last father of the church on this island and he cannot do anything in his people's suffering. Do you feel the sense of Feel Dennis, you feel that, right? That, oh, what do I do, God? And he's crying out and he says, 
On the day of the Lord, he is in the spirit, which shows us he did the right thing. He's worshiping God, turn his heart to him. And in this, it says, it speaks about um, the scroll. Now, the scroll was talking about Jesus and what he's going to do. And, and, this, and, and this angel makes this proclamation, who can open the scroll? And, and the, in this vision, John, and it says that there's nobody found worthy. And you hear an interesting phrase, and it says that John starts weeping out loud. Do you know why he wept? He wept because the scroll was a sign of hope for the future. And so he's thinking of all the suffering and he's going like, there is no hope for the future. And it touches his heart and he breaks down weeping. Is there no one that can bring hope for the future? The current suffering, the current evil, the current brokenness, there's no one that can bring hope. And I love this next sentence. Guys, this book, you should eat it. Read it, sleep on it, listen to it. It will change your life. It says, who's worthy to open the scroll and break the seal? Verse 3, and no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open it or even look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy. And listen. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more, for behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of Jesse has conquered, so that he can open the scroll and break its seal. And that is the only New Testament reference to the lion. The rest of the time, he is the lamb. So, John is looking at the distress, at the brokenness, and nobody is found worthy to bring hope in the midst of darkness, right? And the one time Jesus is portrayed as a lion and a conqueror, it is in the midst of hopelessness. And the angel comes like there's one that has conquered hopelessness, and he is worthy, right? Now it goes on, and I'm going to read this in verse 9. Or verse 8, and then he had taken the scroll and the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense. Now this next, just little piece here should give you faithful prayer. And he says this, and there are the prayers of the saints burning before the throne. And it says this, and this is what I want to jump in. Verse 9, and they sang a new song saying, worthy. So this is the first time this song has been sung. Think, think you were John. First time ever. Worthy are you to take the scroll and open the seals. And this is the part. For you were slain. And by your blood. Say by your blood. You have purchased people. Say purchased. People from every tribe. Language. People. And nation. For by your blood you have purchased people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation. And it says to be a kingdom of priests unto our God. So, so when I talk this morning about mission, when I talk about some of our stories, the why behind it, right, is that there's a lion who has conquered hopelessness, right, that is the lamb who gave himself and bought from himself people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, so that they all can have the immense glory in worshiping him. That in the midst of everything, they can have the glory of gazing upon the man Jesus and saying, you are worthy, O Lamb of God, for you have purchased us. Here's the question I have for you. Aren't you thankful? He has purchased you. He bought you out of darkness. It says, while yet we were sinners, Christ died for us. In your biggest shame, in your biggest bro moment of brokenness, of the moment that you wish, oh, I wish God didn't even see that. He looked into that and said, I choose you. I choose you. I choose you. That was the joy set before him. Is our faces in glorious ecstasy looking at him and saying, you are worthy, O Lamb of God. 
That is the why of missions. That is the why of missions in the valley. That is why you share the gospel in the grocery store. That is why you hike hundreds of miles into the Himalaya mountains where people have never seen missionaries. The same why is everywhere. It's not either or, it's both and. It's fullness. It's the global church working with the local church and the mobile church to bring Jesus all his glory. If it doesn't begin in him, it will end in something else that's not him. Okay, so that was, so you can understand where I'm going next. So, hey, I'm Gabriel. Um, I, I, I grew up in an in a awesome, awesome Christian family. By the age of 16, God really blessed me with athletic ability. So, um, I'm from South Africa. Can you quickly come up here? Run quickly. Quick, quick, quick. It's my beautiful wife, Michelle. Can you guys say hi, Michelle. I'm the luckiest man in the whole world. Honestly, I would have not been alive today if it wasn't for her. You'll hear now why. I love you, honey. <laughs> so um, I, I grew up in an amazing family, Christian, spirit-filled. Since I was a little kid, my parents would ask me, hey, what do you feel God is saying? Hey, what do you feel God is saying? If I have dreams, I'll go like, oh, is that not a dream? My parents would go like, no, it's not just a dream. Tell us the dream. Let's ask God if he wants to say something about the dream. Right? So I'm, I'm very lucky in how I got brought up. But by the age of 16, I started doing really good at sports. Um, I got like a national team in rugby. Do you guys know rugby? It's kind of like football, but without pads, right? I don't think it's smart. I'm 28. I've had four shoulder surgeries in my right shoulder. So I'm not dissing football. I'm going like, I would have my kids wear pads too, right? <laughs> I always joke and I tell people, I've paid back my rugby contracts with medical bills. So, yeah. Um, but by 16, I got really good. And then by 19, I became a pro athlete. And kind of all that went, ego went to my head. And by 22, I, I did really, really well. I, I made too much money that was healthy for somebody my age. And I got a really big injury. And in the midst of this injury, I was really angry at God as if it was his mistake for me running into people for a job. Um, isn't it so funny that people blame God for them doing stupid things, right? I'm going to go on a little rabbit trail. Okay, one of the best advice that I could ever give you on holiness would ask yourself this question, is this stupid? <laughs> right, you're laughing. Some of you, that's nervous laughter, right? Like, can I, can I step on toes? Is it cool, right? So let, let, let's use, let's use a, 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 a simple one, right? I'm not judging anybody, right? I'm just saying. Let's think about smoking cigarettes, right? I want to do something that's going to make me die from suffocation. Okay, so that's point proven. Let's go on the story, right? So in the midst of all of that, I'm angry at God. I say the sentence, there can't be a God. And worst, best moment of my life. Worst moments because if there's no God, there's no rules. Okay, if there's no rules, I can do whatever I want. I'm God. Okay? Best moment because I kind of left the God of my parents, which is good for me because I will explain why now. So the next day, I started doing tons of drugs. I got mega addicted to cocaine. Lost like 30 pounds in six months. At the, in July of that year, for about two weeks, I would wake up and my pillow would be full of blood because my nose would be so messed up. And then on my then girlfriend, now wife's 21st birthday, she's standing behind my car weeping, saying, please stop, you're better than this. That's why I'm saying she saved my life. On her 21st birthday, I did about twice the amount of cocaine for me to die. So it means if me and Aaron both would do that cocaine, we could die. So I do that, and I have this revelation that I'm going to die. And long story short, I go to my parents' house. My mom is about this tall. She has spiky red hair. Yeah, you're laughing because everybody knows somebody like that. All right? So my mom is like the punisher's punisher. What does that mean? It's, she's like the boss of principles. Right? So the people that usually punish people is her job to make sure that they do their job. Right? She's, she's amazing, highly prophetic, very scary. Right? 
So I always joke and I tell people my mother is colorblind. She cannot see gray. It's either black or white, right? So like nothing that is gray she can live in. It's either this or that, right? And so I'm breaking into their house, and it's amazing. The reason she's like that is because she lives in mega holiness. It's not because she's judgmental. It's because she lives close to the heart of God. The further you're from the light, the more gray you see. Okay, the further you are from the light, the more gray you will see. Um, have you ever wondered why people that have a mega revelation of the fear of the Lord never see gray? It's because it's simple. Fear of the Lord is to hate sin. Okay, so um, I break into my parents' house and um, I wake up my mother and I'm expecting hell to break loose right now, right? I'm still tripping on drugs. I'm smelling like all the bad stuff you shouldn't smell like. And um, I wake up my mother and I tell her, hey mom, I have a problem, 4.25 in the morning, 4.24 in the morning, I can't stop doing drugs. She looks at me, she runs to me, hugs me like this underneath, squeezes me weeping, saying, we love you, don't worry, you're gonna make it. And I just break down. And in that moment, my mother was Jesus to me. She gave me the forgiveness, the mercy I didn't deserve. Like she totally extended that to me. My dad wakes up, he says, hey son, do you wanna change? I told him yes. He says, okay, you need Jesus. That's what's gonna save you right now. I was like, well, whatever it takes, I need it, I wanna change. And I really meant it. And um, my dad put his paw on my chest. He's much bigger than I am. His hand like is ginormous. And um, he prayed for me and it was like a Papa, Abba, I'm gonna conquer this thing in my son prayer. And literally something changed. Felt my heart shifted. And in that moment I knew, I knew I'll never be the same. Two weeks later I shared my testimony for the first time. I never touched drugs, alcohol, anything again, right? Um, it was that's that, and, 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 and I'm not gonna, the story's not about that, but here's what I wanna say is, is it was the first time in my life where I came forward and there was no but in the back of my head. There was no like, well, maybe, that, that, that didn't exist in my head then. That's why it says, you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that he is Lord, King, there's no but, right, you will be saved. And I believe that's what happened in that moment. So, long story short, two weeks later, I shared my testimony for the first time. Tons of people get saved. I have no theological background for this. A kid gets delivered, right? And how it happened is he told me he had a demon. And the previous night I watched Furious Love. Have any of you watched those movies? If you haven't, you should. It will change your life, right? And I literally just mimicked what the guy in the movie said. The kid got delivered, right? And I was like, this is real. This is amazing, <laughs> right? And so from there, long story short, I went and did a DTS. And um, in this DTS... We did lecture phase. I got marked for the Lord. I got radically marked for Jesus. And we're in this prayer room. And in this prayer room, I'm sitting and I'm, and I'm reading, Is That Really You, God? If you haven't read the book, you should read it. It's by Lauren Cunningham. It will dramatically change your life. It's an easy read. You can read it in one day. It's a thin little book. And um, I'm reading that book. And, 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 and I'm going on my knees. And I'm pounding the ground. I'm going like, God... I don't just want to hear these stories and read about them. I want to see it in my life. Like I do not want to live of other people's testimonies, right? Because all of my staff in the area was, I, did, I didn't do my DTS in, um, in Kona. I did it somewhere else. All of my staff will only tell other people's stories. And in my heart, something was like, what? And I would ask them, have you ever seen anything like that? And they'd say, no. And, 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 and there was a, a holy discontent birthed in my heart. And, and, and my prayer became the prayer that Habakkuk prayed, and it was this. Oh, Lord, I have heard of the report of you. Wait, let me read it from here. It says, Lord, I've heard of your fame, and I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day. In our time, in our time make them known. Lord, I stand in awe all of your deeds, but do it in my day. And that became my prayer. I prayed, do it in my day, God. I've heard these stories. Do it in my day. Do it in me, whatever the cost. So that, over Christmas, I couldn't fly back to South Africa, so one of my friends bought me a ticket to go to Redding, California. Went to Bethel Church for the first time, got lit up. I was like, there was a fire tunnel, right? I went through six times. 
They told me I couldn't go through because they want to close the building now. I was like, why would you ever stop doing this? This is amazing. Like, I don't know who thought of this. Kudos for that idea. I'm going to give you a high five when I see you in heaven. Thank you so much. Right? And I remember we left there, and my head was on the window, and I prayed this prayer. I said, God, I will do whatever it takes to have that. Name the price. Immediately answers. He says, great. You're going to get back home to your base. You're going to give your phone to this girl. Done. I go like, okay, Lord, I don't have a different way to communicate with my parents in South Africa. It's like, okay, you said you wanted that. That's how you get it. I was like, okay, done. Right? So I get there, I raise my phone, give the girl the phone. She starts weeping, throws me with the thing. Right? I was like, what? Give it back to her. She's like, why did you give it to me? I told her the story. She's like, it's crazy. The last three months, somebody's given me a MacBook, an iPad, and an iPhone. And, I told, and God told me this morning in my quiet time, I should give this one girl $600, right? And I told God, God, if you speak clearly to me about generosity, I'll do it. So I give her the phone. She gives the girl $600. So the last $600 that girl needed to get on a plane that night to go to Nepal. She goes to Nepal. She gets gripped by the Lord. She's now working as a full-time midwife, helping a woman, right, that used to die because of childbearing to not die anymore. Simple obedience changes history. It's not big acts of faith. It's little things. So at the end of that, I'm like shook. I listen to the sermon. I get touched really in this one sermon I listened to by Heidi Baker. And I feel the Lord just asked me three times, come with me, come with me, come with me. No idea what it meant, but I knew it was profound, so I wrote it down. I have a dream, and in this dream, I'm trying to get into a country, into Moldova, and I get deported, and I hear a voice in the dream speak to me and tell me, hey, you need to tell Rachel about the dream and tell her that everything is going to be okay. I'm like, that's weird. Remember, I have no theological framework for what I'm talking about. So I go to Rachel, do the thing that the dream said. Made sense. Hey, Rachel, I'm going to get deported from this country. That's what I heard in a dream. And I should tell you that everything is going to be okay. She looks at me like kind of like how you looking at me. And she's like, okay. Right? So kind of weirded out. <clears throat> we go on outreach. Our outreach was to Turkey and Moldova. And then um, in our time in Turkey, we had this um, amazing like little time of outpouring for like a week. Where every single time our guy will, guys will go to bed, everybody would just start laughing hysterically or crying their eyes out for like two, three hours. And you should understand, I was the only kind of charismatic person. I didn't even know charismatic was a name. It just means that I prayed in tongues, right? Nobody else there was anything like that. So I woke up one night in that I just can't stop crying. I go to this room, start worshiping. About 3 o'clock in the morning, I get encountered by the Holy Spirit. And again, he says, I require of some people to run ahead to make a way for others, right? And come with me. Will you come with me? Will you come with me? Three times again. I said, God, I'm in. Right? Especially in that space. I was like, whatever you ask, I'll do it. You don't have to ask me three times. I promise you, I'm in. <laughs> right? And so I didn't know what it meant. So I go on. Long story short, about a month later, I go into um, Moldova. <clears throat> I'm flying there. I stand in the line. I give my passport to them to go through. They say, hey, there's a mistake made on your visa. And they deport me. Now, as I'm getting deported, my whole team is on the other side. And I lean back and I'm yelling, Rachel, remember my dream. And she's like, kind of like your faces look right now, right? She was kind of like that, shocked, right? Long story short, I, they asked me, do you want to go to America or back to Istanbul? I was like, no, I'm going to go to Istanbul. So I fly back to Istanbul. And um, in that time in Istanbul, um, on my flight back to Istanbul, sorry, I'm, I'm praying, and I'm like, okay, God, I don't think I'm in sin. What's going on? He said to me, do you remember the time I asked you to come with me? It's like, yes, Lord. He's like, now's that time. And I'm like, I feel like the fear of the Lord in my heart in that moment. He gives me like a download of like verses, and he tells me, go to that city. You're going to meet a man by the name of Amaj, and I want you to go strengthen the Syrian underground church. And I'm like, okay. Now, here's the thing. I didn't know that's not normal. Okay? <clears throat> so, great. I get off the plane, book a ticket, fly to that city, get to the city. 
walk, go meet with Amash, meet him. He's like, hey, boy, are you back? What's happening? I thought you were in another country. I told him, yeah, God sent me back. He told me to come strengthen the Syrian underground church. He's like, oh, perfect. Come to my church. He's the leader of underground church. Um, and I want you to come share about the Holy Spirit. I'm stoked, right? Because the people I was with never wanted me to share about it because stuff would happen, right? And I was like, yes, right? So I prepared this whole sermon. I get there the next morning. And um, if you're recording anything, kind of the rest of the thing, I don't want you to record just because I can get in trouble. I have a hard time coming into the U.S. Customs already because of this. Um, it's real. It's really real. <laughs> and so they're like, no, sorry, we can't do that. Long story short, I feel the Holy Spirit say to me, hey, Gabe, here's this thing. I, you don't have to go, but I know you would like it. Important moment. I know you would like it. Whatever God asks you to do in faith, it's never because he thinks you would hate it. It's because he made you to thrive in it. God sets us up for success. He sets us up to win. He sets us up to be ones that thrives, even in the midst of persecution, even in the midst of pain. There's stories of Clemens when he got burned at the stake, that he, like, he preached the gospel to the masses, and hundreds of people in the Colosseum got saved. So they did, not do, they did not do executions of Christians in the mass anymore because too many people got led to Jesus. Even in the midst of our deepest suffering, he empowers us and brings us into a place of victory. So I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm not going to push for this. You need to tell me if, it's gonna, if I need to go. So I walk out of that time, walk into an American pastor, sensationist, doesn't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He didn't know he's going to prophesy to me in that moment. Right? God will use you even if you do not believe in his power. His sovereignty is above your ability to agree with his might. Right? So this man comes, he says, hey, listen, you're goodbye, yes man. And I'm like, yes man, what do you mean? He's like, when I go back to my church, I will introduce you as the man that never said no to God. And just before that moment, I questioned, should I say yes? It completely changed. Right? And that became the primary prayer of my life. It's God, make me a yes man. And my message, my, my primary message to you tonight, of this morning, is that, would you be a yes people? Would you be a yes people? Would you be a people that when you step into those pearly gates and he looks at you, he would introduce you to the angels as these are the one that never said no. Right? If you love me, you obey me. If you're a yes people, what you're actually communicating is we are the ones that love him always. So long, after that, a, a Swiss guy comes to me and says, hey, I heard you're going to go into you know you'll probably die. I go like, yes. He goes like, well, I can get you in next morning, 6.30. Get into a van, drive to the border. <clears throat> it's a war zone, so the borders are closed. So there's a guy in this mountain, this mountain. The border is in between. And he, I, I, the guy that side tells the guy this side where we can run. So we run over the border, right? No man's land. All of a sudden, you hear like shaking. And the border patrol saw us. And they're racing with their tanks towards us. The guy in front of me gets stuck in the barbed wire. I'm ripping his, his thing of jumping over the barbed wire, leopard crawling through like a tunnel. There's like bullets everywhere. Stepping outside, I actually had these shoes on. I brought them on purpose. These exact shoes I had them on. And um, I'm fixing my shoe, and the one guy yells at me. He says, watch out, watch out. And I look down, and I see these little bips, and I'm standing in a minefield. So he tells me, stay in the road. So I step over into the road, walk through the road through his minefield, get taken into this little bus, got taken through seven checkpoints. Guys are pointing their AK-47s in the bus. I have a baby on my lap, just praying in the spirit. They didn't see me once. Searching the van, they didn't see me. Long story short, I got a meeting with the government leaders, got to preach the gospel to them, share with them about Jesus, snuck back out again. Here's what I want to say in, <clears throat> in closing on this, and this is my invitation to you. I was saved three months. I was still dreaming every night about drugs. I still had to fight the desire. God qualifies the cold. Here's the thing. If he told you to do something, he's not looking how perfect you are. He's looking how willing you are. And as I'm sharing this morning with you, we're going to share a little bit more about what God is doing in South Africa. I want to say the following. We have been 
in nations all over the world. I was just in the Philippines. Got to share with some of their leaders that are an amazing revival. The last three years were 240,000 salvations. 240,000 people snatched out of eternal darkness. That is wild. That, that is a clap worth, right? So I'm, I'm sitting with about 20 of their, 30 of their leaders, and I'm saying, what is the dream of God for Philippines? There's one young man, stood at my right, stands up, right? And again, I want you to listen to what the Spirit is saying to you. And, asked, and he says, I'm a worship leader. He says, but here's the thing. Three years ago, I only got saved. Before that, my whole life in my tribe, we would worship rocks and stones. My desire is to go back to my tribe, introducing them what it looks like to worship a real Jesus. That there's a living God, not a rock or a stone or a tree that you bow down to. And it hit me. It hit me. The girl in the middle said that um, I grew up in a house with a lot of men and all of my sisters and me used to be prostitutes. And I got saved out of that and I want to go back and tell my sisters about Jesus. Here's what I want to say. I have so many other stories. We just don't have enough time. Here's what I want to say. The global church is exploding. Because it's not just Americans going everywhere. It's Filipinos saying, I'm going to go back and teach them how to worship. I'm going to go back and teach them about their value. The greatest glory and the great commission is not that everybody gets to hear. It's that everybody gets to participate. It's not that everybody gets to hear about him. It's that everybody gets to participate to tell about him. The beginning place we said earlier was what? Singing a new song of his worth. My invitation to you guys as a church this morning is what is your song of his worth that you're singing in the valley? What is your town that you're going back to? To saying, hey, let's not worship our cars and our bank accounts. I've made a living king. What is the family members you go back to say you're more valuable than selling yourself to that man or that woman? It might not be in prostitution, but it might be in licentiousness. The Great Commission is not exclusively for people going to the nations. It says what? Go make disciples of every nation and teach them to obey. At the end of the day, what Jesus asked the disciples is to teach everybody how to love him by walking in obedience. Thanks, guys. You guys want, to, want him to pray for you? Yeah, I think so. Hey, if you want an impartation, and I, I mean this seriously, though, the, there is sometimes the Lord asks you a question that you like think before you answer it. If you want to step into that, like with the holy fear and trembling of the like, we will be a people who will say yes to the Lord. I want you to stand up because we're going to ask for an impartation of radical obedience. Just let us just put our hands in front of us. You guys know this. It's just a posture of humility. And, and, and he's here, guys. Let's just wait a few seconds. He's already here. Lord, we love you. We're asking you, God, to make us practical lovers. That's what a yes people are. It's people that are practical lovers. Lord, I ask you to impart a grace this morning, Jesus, to love you practically. That we won't just sing we love you, but we will live we love you. God, that there is no question that you would ask us that is too difficult. There is no challenge you would lay before us that we say, you are not worthy of that. But we will look at the song that is sung in eternity. And we say, God, align my life with that eternal song. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you. Lord, I pray for impartation. 
of radical faith. Of radical faith. Of radical faith. In the midst of impossibility. In the midst of the the report against the Western church, God. You impart hope. Lord, I just want to declare that this church has permission to love you lavishly in the midst of any report against the Western church. Lord, I just declare in Jesus' name that they have permission to have outrageous faith. That faith makes a fool of what makes sense. Lord, that they have radical permission to not live and be soothed by stories of 10 years ago. But they can lay hold of the God of the now, the I am. Saying, you are the God of the now. Do it in our day, Lord. We have heard of your deeds. We have seen your wonders. Do it in our day. Amen, church. Amen. Hey, I'm just, I'm going to have you sit down just for a couple more minutes because I want them to share. They, like, um, Michelle, you come up here too, so they hear it from you as well. But they head back to South Africa on Friday, which is kind of crazy that they agreed to come here and be with us. And I just, I wanted us to, like, just loop into the story of some of what God is doing on the earth because that in itself breathes so much faith. And then we're going to take an offering for them. We want to sow into what is happening through them. So I'm just going to have you share for a couple minutes about what you guys are doing and the, and the piece in the bigger picture, and then we'll, we'll do that. 100%. Hello, everyone. What a good word this morning. Love this man. Um, yeah, just before we share about South Africa, I just really this morning felt a word for um, this church, and I felt the Lord said he's doing a renewing. And then I asked him for a scripture, and he took me to the scripture of um, the centurion and his faith. And I just felt like there's an increase of faith that God is releasing to this church and to individuals. And um, I was just even thinking about what does an activated church look like? And I was just thinking about an activated church is a church that's heart is easily affected by the word of the Lord easily affected when he speaks. So I just want to even release that over you guys, that I feel God is increasing your faith. He's increasing like, go, let it be done as, as you've heard of the Lord. So just a, a unity that he's bringing and an increase of faith that I just want to speak over you guys um, before we speak about that Africa. Maybe I'll just pray that over you guys. Yes, God, I just thank you for this church. God, I thank you that you're releasing an increase of faith. God, hearts, postures that are activated that says, when we hear you, we will obey. We will say yes, God. God, I thank you that you're even asking them to, to even dream bigger with you, God, to say yes to the bigger things that you're asking, Father. So just increase their faith, God. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, this is really special to us. As you've heard, next week, Friday, we, f we fly back and we move to South Africa. We've been in Kona for about almost two years. December, it would be two years, thinking we would be there for 10 years. Um, and as the Lord has started speaking to us this year, he made it so clear that this is his will for us to take a team back to South Africa to start a training base, a YWAM base, where we want to train and send people into the nations. We've had so many words that South Africa would be a training and sending base. And it's, not a, it's about South Africa, but it's unto the nations. So it's like the gateway to Africa, Europe, and the rest. So we're so excited and believing God for um, not just revival in South Africa, reformation in South Africa, and unto Africa and the nations. Um, so just, I'm just quickly going to share five points with you guys, and Gabe will unpack it. But as we've prayed about South Africa, we specifically felt um, five points that the Lord gave us. It is prayer. Um, we just bought a prayer room in our hometown that we are believing God for 24-hour worship and prayer in a prayer room that would, obviously that's like, where it all starts for all of us, like in prayer, like that God would move in South Africa, would move to the nations, that incense would arise. Um, the second thing is evangelism. We're doing circuits, high schools, universities, 
Um, I think it's so beautiful because we're looking at Kona and the bigness of what God is doing there. And now just the humbling and amazing opportunity that we feel like he's asking us, like, would you go on the dirt roads to a 17-person high school in the middle of nowhere in South Africa and preach the gospel. And we're like, gosh, thank you, Jesus, that we get to do this. So we'll be doing um, circuits. There's about 508 high schools just in the province that we are just around us. How, how far around us is it? Yeah, in a radius of 150 miles. So we'll start that with our team, which we're so excited about. Um, and then universities, churches, partnerships. Um, the third thing we have is training. That will be our YWAM base. We'll do a DTS. Um, we're believing God for secondary schools, Bible schools to train and equip South Africans, Africans, internationals, and send them out. Um, and the, <clears throat> the fourth thing we're really believing for is, um, is to transform the media in South Africa. So we're really believing for a media centrum so that we can rewrite the story of South Africa. Um, there's been so many bad reports about South Africa. And yes, there is, some of it is true, but we believe God's report and we believe there's just so many um, God stories that's not being told. And we just feel like we want to impart hope to South Africans and to Africans about, about what God is actually doing in South Africa. Because there's, there's honestly, even in the town we're going from, we didn't leave Tukona because nothing was happening. Like God was moving radically. So God is really moving in South Africa and really believing for just the increase of what he's doing. And then the fifth thing that was recent, which is just so from the Lord, um, Gabe had a meeting with our founder and he asked us, do you guys want to change the world? Does your team want to change the world? And of course, our answer was yes. And he said, well, do you want to say yes to ending Bible poverty in southern Africa? That's like all the countries just above South Africa, from Angola down. And we were like, oh my gosh, yes. So basically, they want us to, there's about 20 languages that don't have the Bible in their own language in those countries. And they want us to send teams in to start doing translation, finding men and women of peace that understand both languages, and eventually translate and give them the Bible and the audio Bible. So we are so excited about what God is doing. We were believing for about 12 people to go with us long term. We asked for a minimum of three years commitment. And um, we, we're ending up they're already, most of them have their visas, fully committed, 35 people going to South Africa with us. Thank you, Anim. And I, and I think for us, just maybe just to say on that, the crazy thing about that is Kona is the biggest wine base in the world, which I think might be closest to the biggest missions base in the world. I, I'm, this is the biggest team in its 40-year history has ever been sent. Ever. For me, that hit me with the fear of the Lord, going like, God, this is you. You have something massive happening. I want to say one thing quickly. is this opportunity, Lauren, I, me and him had a meeting a few weeks ago, and he's, he said, like, do you want to change the world? And, and here's what I want you to know. Sub-Saharan Africa is the most evangelized area in the world. And there are 20 people groups that nobody has found worth to go share the gospel with. And we have the privilege to take the last 20 groups in that whole part of the world off the list. To go like these 20 groups will, since Jesus came, the first time that they have heard and met him. And so, as we're sharing that, like our heart in, in sharing with you guys and in this moment is to, is to share that like for you guys to be a part of the story of God in Southern Africa is that to be a part of this, the story of God, that there will be tribes literally in the next year, we've already planned to go to three, that has never had anybody share with them. It's never heard the name. We're trying to figure out how do we exactly communicate who he is to these people, where are connections, that we can get the language. And this is the thing, this is even wilder for me. They have never ever had this book. Do you know what that means? They could never read that God so loved the world. And it's such a privilege and an honor for us that we get to lead a team to go there and see God transform a nation 
and a whole area of the world. So good. So good. I don't know if you guys know this, but out of YWAM Kona, some of the, the original founders of Kona, they have a strategic plan on how the rest of the unreached people groups in the world are going to be reached. Like, we're talking to these guys and they're like, look, the Great Commission is going to be fulfilled in our lifetime. The Great Commission is going to be filled in our lifetime. Right? Hey, you know, this, oh, oh. <laughs> let, let me quickly say that. 11 years ago, a group of people came together, our founders, guys from Campus Crusade, da 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 da, and they said there are 250 groups, 252 groups, of more than 100,000 people that's never heard the name. They did three years of study, realized that that group is not 250, it's 600 and something. They're like, okay, let's do it. So the Southern Baptist and YWAM, Wycliffe, all these people that never worked together traditionally said, like, we'll put our differences aside. So that Jesus will be made famous. Listen to this. This is the wild part. This is totally crazy. End of December, the last group is ticked off the list. That there are zero groups that have never heard. That's why with the groups we're sending, right, there's one or two people going, but they have no translation. We're taking the Bible there. By the end of December, guys, since Jesus came, we could have never said this. By the end of December, there will be no people group on the earth that has not missionaries that are working in them to see them discipled and hear about Jesus. I just, it gives me so much faith and it stirs me to make sure 100% am I making sure I'm a part of the story that God is writing on the earth. So I want us to take the opportunity to sow into them, to send them out, to be a part of that story in Africa. So there's baskets right here. You can throw cash, checks, make out to Northgate, but just tag YWAM on them. If you give online or through the app, just scroll and do it to Global Outreach. But let's send them out with the generosity that you guys are famous for. Is that good? Okay. I'm going to end this because we're going to start our next service in 10 minutes. Hey, if you want prayer, our prayer team is going to be here. Get prayer. If you want to stay and get inspired and stirred up, hear it again, second service. Otherwise, have a great week. We love you.